Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. This is Hour 2 of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back solo with you in this hour. We're going to dive in to what happened in the game last night between the Raiders and Chargers. And also, could Deion Sanders be the head coach at FSU? Fantasy Sports Today, Hour 2 starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish here with you on the show, flying solo. Sean Guastamaki, as always, producing this program. We're here till 2 o'clock Eastern, and then we turn it over to full-time fantasy and Dr. Roto. He's standing by with the Friday injury reports, which usually come out by the time that he's on the air. So stay tuned for that. It's coming about in about an hour. Jamie Eisenberg will be with us. We'll dive into the fantasy weekend. It's a huge college football weekend, of course, and there's no doubt that Everyone, including myself, will be watching the game between LSU and Alabama, no question. Penn State, Minnesota. It's it's actually a lighter schedule. A lot of teams have off this week for whatever reason in November, and I'm guessing this is like the last final push to get yourself into a bowl game or to get yourself into a position to play for the college football championship. But arguably, the biggest college football news that we have today came in last night from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, who reported that Deion Sanders is a possibility or at least a candidate that has emerged at Florida State University. And boy, I got to tell you, this was a really interesting thing for me. Now, for those of you who don't know, I grew up in South Florida, attended the University of Florida in Gainesville, so I'm very familiar with college football in this state, no question. And I've always wondered why more of the legendary alumni that is in this state are not more prominent figures at their universities. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Now, University of Florida uh, has had their ups and had their downs. Of course, they had the uh, Steve Spurrier days, the Urban Meyer coaching days with Tim Tebow, Will Muschamp, uh, McIlwain, and now they're, they're back on track here with Dan Mullen. And they've had a lot of legendary guys come through that program, of course. And I feel like they still incorporate Tim Tebow and things and Fred Taylor and Emmett Smith, and they're still around. So maybe that's just me with my Homer bias, but I feel like they've done a decent job. But between Florida State and Miami and those two teams, you could make the argument have produced more NFL talent than any schools in the country. Why in the world aren't some of these players more involved? And specifically, I talk about it here where I am in South Florida for a number of years. The uh, Ed Reeds and, and Jonathan Vilmas, Bryant McKinney, Ken Dorsey, they, they have a list of champions. Andre Johnson. Uh, I mean, I could just keep going forever. Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee. It's just it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And Florida State is in a similar situation. And for the first time ever, I'm getting the feeling that finally one of these schools is going to get a little bit innovative. Because let's be honest, if Deion Sanders 
is the head coach at Florida State University, there are two big factors that go involved in this. Number one, who would be a better recruit in the country than primetime walking into your living room and saying, come play for me? These kids still have memories, no doubt, of him playing. Those YouTube videos live forever. I would think that that's a huge get. And not only that, I mean, Bobby Bowden, when he coached at Florida State before Jimbo Fisher, toward the last few years of his career, there was no headset on his head. I mean, his coordinators were doing the job. And I would guess that that's a big part of what Deion Sanders would do, too. He doesn't have a ton of experience at any kind of coaching level. But college football is all about recruiting. And then you hire the right coordinators to help run your team on a day-to-day basis. It's a great idea. And why more of these schools don't try something different is beyond me. I don't get it. You have the alumni at virtually every top college football in the program, and it's always, oh, we got to hire this coach who's been around for all these years. He's had limited success. I love the idea. Sometimes these schools dip down into the FCS schools or coaches that are on the rise, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. We've seen this before. But when a player like Deion Sanders takes over a, uh, a college football team, I could absolutely see the kind of future that would be very, very strong for Florida State. I would actually, uh, as a University of Florida graduate, be a little bit scared because I would think that his recruiting chops could end up being as good as anybody else's in the country. I mean, who would you want as a better representative in terms of what they've done on a football field than Deion Sanders? A lot of people will crap on this idea. I'm sure they will. Oh, what kind of experience does he have coaching? Look, Bill Snyder at Kansas State. How many years did he, the last 10 years of his career, did he coach at all? Did Joe Paterno coach at all? Did Bobby Bowden coach at all? And I know Dion's a lot younger than those guys, clearly. But you have people in place that can do that. You find the best coordinators in the country. And, of course, there are recruiting coordinators, too. And Dion will do it, at all, do it all by himself. But it's an innovative idea. And not a bad idea, either. Because if he's getting these five-star kids to come to the school, it's like you get the talent and then you kind of worry about the coaching later. Now, that didn't really work out for Willie Taggart, did it? A couple of years at FSU. But I would guess that coaches would also line up to come play for Dion. They'd be in a great situation. Florida State, over the last couple of years, has been an unmitigated disaster. But previous to that, for the last 30 years, I mean, they're in a bowl game and playing for a championship and putting 10 kids in the NFL draft every single year. Not a difficult fix. Not a difficult sell to get kids to come and play there. I've wondered why that doesn't happen here at the University of Miami. I listed you guys off like 10 names already of players that if they could get more involved, they certainly would win. But... Uh, this is this is uh, a, a different day and age, I suppose, in uh, in college where they're, they're where basically uh, ADs, athletic directors, are scared of their own skin. You know, they're scared uh, to to make a decision that's going to end up costing them their job. They'd rather go the safe route. I guess that's how I should have put it, as opposed to scared of their own skin. But yeah, they're they're scared to make decisions that may cost them in the short term and cost them to lose their job. Why take a shot, especially in the situation that FSU is, where they're headed toward nothing. I don't even think they're going to be in a bowl game. Would they have to win every game the rest of the uh, season to get in a bowl game? I mean, it's just pathetic with the way that things have played out for them. So uh, thought that was a real interesting story, no question. And uh, I'm rooting for this to happen. I, I think that this would be cool. Like, why not have Dion as, uh, as the head coach at FSU? Maybe one day Emmett Smith gets to be the head coach at Florida. And then maybe Ed Reed gets to be the head coach at the University of Miami, right? Like, those three things would be kind of funny to see themselves play out. All right, coming up a little bit later in the show... Jamie Eisenberg is going to join us here on the program. We're going to get into uh, the game last night between the Chargers and Raiders. Very entertaining game, which I've illustrated, and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more. 
We'll also give you some options for the weekend. Ironically and strangely enough, the two biggest bye weekends of the NFL season are this weekend and next week. Didn't even realize how many teams are off next, next week as well. So got to make some key decisions in your fantasy league. No, uh, no doubt about that. As a quick reminder, you can listen to this show live by listening to us on the FNTSY app, also on the iHeartRadio app, as well as TuneIn Radio. And for those of you who like to listen to the show on demand, let me give you the options for that as well. First of all, the FNTSY app is great. It's very easy to populate our show. We usually break it down between hour one and hour two. So you can kind of auto scrub us uh, forward and back, whatever you want to listen to. Go ahead and do that. In addition to that, like and subscribe to the show on iTunes and also in the Google Play Store. And so this way, when the show is over each day, you don't even have to go to our show. It just gets uh, automatically sent to you. So please like and subscribe. And if you wouldn't mind, give us a rating, too. More ratings uh, definitely lead to better things for this show, no question, as we dip deeper into the fantasy football playoffs. I know a lot of you have key decisions coming up, so we will help you with that as well. This is Fantasy Sports Today. We're off and running for the second hour of the show. I am Craig Mish. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, no doubt about that. And we'll take a quick time out. Plenty more to come, including more college football talk right around the bend. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you. As I mentioned, we have a huge college football segment coming up here. I mean, you talk about a weekend of unbelievable games. This is it in college football. You got two of the biggest games going on this weekend. And of course, uh, on CBS Saturday at 3.30, you got the game between LSU and Alabama. This is all I care about on Saturday. I will be locked and loaded on this one. Look, I'm a Gator through and through, but let's not kid ourselves. This is the biggest game of the college football season. Gary Danielson was on uh, at the betting window over on Sports Grid, and uh, he was on with Sean. They did a, a long form interview on this game. And rather than me tell you about the game, thought it'd be a good idea for Gary and Sean to tell you more about the game. So here is the interview from at the window with Gary Danielson and Sean Guastamacchia. What are your thoughts? What are your first impressions? Uh, do you have any issue with, with the top five there? Well, I have to call the committee out a bit. Okay. Because okay? I'm confused. Um, I thought the committee uh, took the rankings as of this Tuesday as if the season ended now. Is that not your understanding, or am I missing something? Uh, yes. No, that, that is my understanding. Yes. So, so let, let's just let's just assume something really bad happened. That that there was a huge flu outbreak, and the rest of college <laughs> right. football was canceled. Right. Okay. And then, but they did pick a Final Four to play in the in the college playoffs. Are you telling me they're not going to take Clemson as the fourth team? This looks like a bluff to me because at the end, every year at the end, they use the eyeball test for that fourth spot. And you can't make me believe that they're going to put in Penn State over the defending undefeated national champion Clemson team. So I'm confused. Is it eyeball test? Is it half resume test? Because if it's resume test, you have to put LSU first. So yes. again, it's a mismatch, and it's and it's a little bit of everything. But I but I want to do say this. Okay, it doesn't really matter except it's kind of cool, 
And I think it kind of reflects where we are, is there's three major polls. The AP has LSU number one. The coaches poll has Alabama number one. And the committee has Ohio State number one. They're the three deserving teams of number one. And let's be honest, if Clemson wins out, they're in. I agree with you there. Uh, and Drew, you could take over in just a second. Just uh, one more question for Gary on the college football playoff rankings. LSU should be number one because they've been the most impressive, in my opinion. I agree with you 100%. I, I can't see Ohio State. I know they, they passed the eyeball test that everyone wants to talk about. but Yeah, look, they're getting a lot of bounce from are. that Wisconsin game, yeah. I guess. You know, I, uh, I, they're all good. They're all good. I, I get it. Here's my question about Ohio State. If, if um, LSU gets into a tough fourth quarter game and they're six points down and they need a drive, I'm trusting Joe Burrow. Yeah. I saw um, Tua Tungvaloa do it in the national championship game. Pretty sure he can do it. Yeah. I saw Trevor Lawrence do it under pressure in the national championship game. Pretty sure he can do it. Do we know anything about Justin Fields in a tight game against a quality opponent where he has to throw the ball in the fourth quarter? Not a thing. Good point, Gary. Drew? Gary, this is Drew Martin. Nice to have you on, man. And, and, and one of yeah, the um, things that surprised me – Hey, Gary. Yeah, good to have you on. One of the things that surprised me seeing the uh, rankings come out, college football rankings here, is the Pac-12 sitting at number seven and number eight with Oregon and Utah, respectively. Do you think the Pac-12 is out or do you think actually uh, the winner of that Pac-12 championship game might punch their ticket? I still think it's a long shot for them. I'm glad they're in it. It's what college football needs. You can't have everybody west of the Mississippi out of it after the first, uh, you know, college football ranking where they know they have no chance. I've said all year that the biggest win was Auburn's win against Oregon. It's effectively, they have a block in front of them. Just think what's going to happen right here. Whoever loses this game, they're still going to be in front of Oregon and Utah, and those teams are not going to pass them, assuming that you know Georgia and uh, especially, let's say Alabama loses and they beat Auburn. How does Oregon go over Alabama? That's impossible. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So they're effectively blocked. But I've been in this before. You know, Alabama snuck in with, you know, chaos the last two weekends. So anything can still happen. But I would not like their uh, position to me. Uh, To me, they're effectively one lap behind, and they're hoping the first lap guys run out of gas. And and Gary, uh, also to that that point, Gary, uh, Drew, do you have another question? Just jump in. No, no, go, go, go ahead. I'll follow up after you. Yeah, I just wanted to say this one more question for me on the college football playoff rankings. Is it likely we see two SEC teams in the college football playoff once again? And if that's the case, let's say Ohio State wins out and they're in for the, for the, the Big Ten. Right. Who's out? Who, which team? Clemson's going to win out? Well, what, what, what do you- I, I get it. I, well, I think Ohio State in. I think Clemson is in. I think if LSU loses a close game at Alabama and wins out the rest of the way, they will be the best one-loss team, and they'll make it, in my opinion. Yeah. It's just my opinion. Uh, that, that's where it is. Now, it could be altered if Georgia ends up beating Alabama in the SEC championship, and that's possible. You watch. Georgia's going to start playing some really good football right now. But, you know, for me, Clemson – you know how they got in in the NBA, they got the superstars have their load management, you know? Yeah. To me, it's been, for Clemson, it's been mental load mag- management. They've looked at that schedule just like we have and go, wake me up when we play somebody that can beat us because they just are coasting right now. 
Gary, let's talk about the big game. Uh, you'll be on the call on Saturday, sure. 3.30 Eastern on CBS. We got, uh, depending on what rank did you want to go off of, number one versus number two, <laughs> LSU, Alabama questions <laughs> at the health of the quarterback position. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, we know, well, what's your overall we know they're all good. I, listen, we know both these teams are good. The reason that everyone is interested in this game this year is because there's belief that LSU can compete. I did the game last – listen – this year, as big as it is, I just reviewed uh, Monday, I reviewed last year's game, and I was stunned because it just happened a year ago, but I didn't remember. It was one versus three last year. It's two versus three this year. So, I, <laughs> so in the rankings, it's not even as big a game as last year, but nobody believed last year. Nobody thought that LSU could score enough points to beat Alabama, and it proved to be true. Halfway through the second quarter, you could see this thing ended up like, they're not going to be able to score. And if they do, it's going to be one touchdown or a field goal. They can't come back. Dave Aranda and LSU had to pitch a, a perfect shutout to beat them, and that wasn't likely to happen. Once it got to be at the end of the half, 16 to nothing, it was over. This year, even 16 nothing going into the second half, LSU saying, hey, come on, we can still do this. We've got an offense. Now they've got to prove it. I get that. But, you know, you watch the Tennessee tape, uh, you say, well, Come on, we got better receivers. They they did it, you know, with a freshman quarterback. They did it with Jared Garantano. We're better than that. We can move the ball on these guys. I think there's more hope for LSU in this game. All the way back, there was a little bit, uh, I, you know, when Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry were playing with Mettenberger that year, there was a little hope there. Their offensive line didn't hold up. There was hope when Leonard Fournette was there until he got smashed into the ground with that unimaginative offense they were using in that football game when remember his face on the sideline in that game said it all like coach could you give us something we need something in this game but this game I think you go into it everybody believes that LSU has a shot at him Gary uh Tua Tungavialoa his health his ankle uh, what should, what can yeah. we expect will he start do you expect him to be close to 100 percent by Saturday don't know if he'll be 100%, but he's not going to be asked to run the ball. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a little bit, for me, like uh, Kevin Durant. You know, I'm not saying the ear injury is as serious, but you can test that thing all you want when warm-ups, off days, practice drills. Uh, but, but all during that test, you're always thinking about your ankle or your knee or your Achilles or your calf. You're always like, oh, how does that feel? How does this feel? <laughs> yeah. When I dunk, how does that feel? But in the game, you're only thinking about playing, and you react instinctively, and that's what happened to Kevin. It wasn't ready. So who knows? But I do know about this team. This team is not built for a game management quarterback to, to make it purr. You know, this is wide receivers. This is fast. Judy, Smith, Ruggs, Waddle. They need that ball, and this offense does not work. It's not like the A.J. McCarron offense where they're going to run the ball and then do a little bootleg to the outside and dump it off. This offense will not work without high-level quarterback play, especially against a team like LSU. No, come on, we know this. Alabama rolls their helmets out ten times a year. doesn't matter who plays. But those three or four games, you know, the two, one in the regular season – SEC championship, couple playoff games where this offense is built to play with Tua, and he better be healthy.
Gary, I got a question for you concerning, uh, I guess, turning the tires a little bit here. I'm coming to you from Las Vegas, and we got a booming sports betting industry. Want to get your question, uh, get your thoughts overall on uh, sports gambling going forward. And also, do you personally plan in bringing it in more into your commentating? And anything with the CBS 330 spot, have they talked about, you know, adding a little bit more gambling content to it? Boy, Drew, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I have nothing against it. I'd be glad to join in any way they want. We all measure games that way, whether we bet or not. We all think about it. You know, when I was a kid, I played those cards, and you picked games and everything like that, you know, and even if it was for a dollar, we all, all do the same thing. And l- listen, I've done many games where the, the favorite team is winning by 13 points, but the spread is 18 points, and they're getting booed at home because they're not trying to beat the spread. So I think you can't hide from it, but until the CBS suits say to talk about it, I'm just going to stick to X's and O's. And coming up next, we will speak with Jamie Eisenberg about the game last night in the NFL and also preview the weekend in fantasy football. I'm Craig Mish. This is Fantasy Sports Today. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll get back to some NFL discussion right after this. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on this Friday as we head toward an interesting weekend in fantasy football. And we're going to get to the games coming up on Sunday and Monday with Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. Catch him on uh, Fantasy Football Today over on CBS, CBS Sports HQ. As we break down the weekend games, we'll get to that in a second. But on Thursday night, we had a very intriguing, fun game going right down to the wire, both good in fantasy and reality. And let's dive into that game first. Jamie, thanks for coming on. And uh, we got a good one there on Thursday night. Back-to-back good uh, offensive uh, point games in terms of fantasy, too. But I thought last night in particular was really compelling. Went right down to the end. It was a compelling game. I, I think it was a little disappointing fantasy-wise, though, just from the standpoint of I thought Rivers would play better. I thought we'd have at least one, maybe both, wide receivers for the Chargers breaking out. I mean, you think about it for the Raiders, it was really just Josh Jacobs. Everything else was kind of a letdown with Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams. So fantasy-wise, I think it could have been better, but I, it was a compelling game for sure. You know, the fact that these are two teams, certainly that were trying to get themselves back into the playoff race. One of the two was probably going to be Still a contender, and as we come away from it, the Raiders look like they can challenge for a wild card spot, which is nothing that I thought would happen at this point in the season in 2019. Yeah, the Raiders, Jamie, have looked really good. They looked good against Houston, and they lost because uh, Watson had some magic at the end of the game. The game before, cars running toward the end zone against Green Bay, 
you know, down seven and the ball falls out of his hand and then all of a sudden it's a touchback and Green Bay gets the ball and it's over. I mean, I'm totally in agreement. I've been watching the Raiders and they have been playing well for sure. And as you mentioned, Jacobs with that touchdown late in the game. Uh, was really the key to his fantasy day for sure. On the Chargers side, a very strange performance, I thought. Weird targets in the end zone. Weird targets over the middle of the field. Players, Jamie, who I hadn't even heard of uh, getting involved in this game for the Chargers. And I know Ken Wisenhunt took over. I thought their game plan in the first half was certainly sound. And it definitely looks like with the uh, offensive change that Melvin Gordon's going to be a much more of a factor than we anticipated with Wisenhunt a couple of weeks ago. But what do you make of the Chargers trying to incorporate some of these new targets? I, I mean, honestly, I, I had never heard of a couple of the guys who, who were uh, getting passes thrown their way. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're just all banged up. You know, receiving core with Travis Benjamin being out, you know, just the things that they're trying to, you know, move guys around. Um, you know, offensive line, you know, the fact that they lost to Kuhn during the game was, I think, a big reason why the game turned the way that it did. Look, Rivers, at this point in his career, look, He's never been a mobile guy, but he can't just, you know, be a pinata back there just standing back taking hits. And he's just not that good anymore. And so, as you saw at the end of the game, you know, 0 for 8, you know, in in, in the final stretch, trying to get them in the field goal range, it was just a, a disaster for him. Um, and I thought he played poorly, you know, throughout the night, you know, for a team that he traditionally plays well in a, in a stadium that he traditionally plays well in. You know, he'd come in his last five playing at a, at a very good level in Oakland. And again, most of those Raiders teams have clearly been bad, but still I thought he'd have the chance to sort of take advantage of that secondary like the last three quarterbacks have done, you know, whether it was Stafford or Watson or, or, or Rodgers, you know, just, just beating up on the Raiders. Um, you know, so I, I think we'll see uh, what, ha- you know, comes out of this next week's an interesting game for them, um, for the Chargers uh, against the Chiefs. You know, it's, it's the Monday night game. It's in Los Angeles, but it's still going to be, you know, probably a home game for the Chiefs just with other fans will travel. And I think if they do not get challenged from what typically the Chiefs do in terms of them having to, you know, throw the ball. So I'm sure they'll try to do what every team does against the Chiefs, which is trying to run based on their, their offensive game plan uh, with the coordinator change. But if the Chiefs offense puts up points and Rivers match him. And so, you know, I got, I got asked this question by our host on CBS Force HQ last night. You know, do you still stick with Rivers and Eckler in particular and the receivers? Um, I give it one more week because they're by week 12. And so, you know, you're not cutting – Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler or Mike Williams, but you may consider benching them if, you know, coming off of their bye and when you get to the fantasy playoffs in week 13, if they did not play well against the Chiefs next week. Yeah, and, and J.B. Eisenberg is with us, and, and you mentioned one name there that I think has been a uh, massive disappointment because a lot of people uh, were basically drafting Mike Williams based on the targets that he got in the red zone last year. I cannot believe that he's gone the entire year. If I'm not mistaken, he hasn't scored a touchdown and he's only had one game of 100 yards. So, I mean, is, is there anything advanced on that, like in terms of what Rivers is trying to do? Because even Allen's numbers have – I mean, Allen was okay last night, but even Allen's numbers overall haven't been great. I mean, what? I mean, Rivers, meanwhile, has been packing in the receiving – the passing yards. Has it just basically been because Eckler has caught in the ball and run? I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you had this stretch there with, you know, the first couple of games where Hunter Henry came back where his yards were up. But, yeah, he, he's, uh, you know, through uh, week 10, through the Thursday game, he's the leader in passing yards for the NFL. So it's the crazy. fact that those guys aren't putting out big numbers. Um, you know, for Williams, you know, if you care about air yards, you know, he's been up there in terms of, you know, among the leaders in air yards. So that usually tells you that, you know, some big games were coming. And I did think that was going to come last night. You know, I thought there'd be some more opportunities for him down the field, you know, give 
uh, you know, Gunther and the, and the Raiders defensive coaches uh, some credit for the game plan that they had. But, you know, it's, it, when you're turning the ball over, you know, three interceptions from your quarterback, and I know the last one at the end of the game is him just trying to make a play. But still, th- those are so crucial for a team that has such a slim margin of error. And so um, I, I, I think, again, you know, if you've been sticking with Keenan, it's easy to get away from Mike Williams because, like you said, he hasn't scored. He has had red zone opportunities. He just hasn't converted them. So um, it's easy to get away from him. It's not so easy to get away from Keenan Allen because he's such a uh, a big-time playmaker, and it's almost, you know, fear of missing out, you know, like we've seen with Zach Ertz. You know, finally had the big breakout game, even though the targets were there for him. He just hadn't been producing. He's that sure. type of player. So I, I think for, for week uh, 11, I'm going to stick with my main chargers. I'm gonna, if I need Rivers, I'll start him. If I have Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers on a bye because it's the Chiefs, I'll stick with Keenan Allen. And, and this is, of course, if you can't find anybody better, but I'll stick with Keenan Allen. I'll stick with Hunter Henry. I'll stick with Austin Eckler and PPR. And then it's just kind of, you know, we'll see what happens coming out of that game and then what happens to them off their bye when we talk. All right, uh, Jamie, let's uh, close it out with the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is is grading out the last few weeks like a top five fantasy player overall, not even at running back. Just he's been phenomenal. I, I got to tell you, like, Watching him at Alabama and going into fantasy drafts, I just I wasn't buying it. And man, I am going to be completely wrong on him. And I know that he did salvage the day at the end with that touchdown. He, you know, they needed a yard and he got six and he ran it into the end zone. But I'm guessing both in the redraft format and even the dynasty format, Jamie, I think that if you had to guess going into 2020, Jacob's probably going to be a first round pick in fantasy football. I'm not sure first round, but he'll, he'll be in that conversation. You know, it's just going to depend on, I guess, what format we're talking about because he'll be behind a handful of receivers. Um, but, yeah, he's right there, you know, and, and we'll see what the Raiders look like. Um, you know, their offensive line certainly was uh, an improvement, especially once they've gotten Richie Incognito back on the field. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to be hard to say he's ahead of probably still the, the top four guys from this year of Barkley. I still take Barkley, you know, Zeke, Kamara, McCaffrey, obviously. You know, then he starts to come into that next group. You know, so we'll see. You know, where he uh, sort of falls in the pecking order and um, where he is. But I, I mean, top fifteen, I, I think, is pretty safe. Certainly, top twenty overall picks for sure. Yeah, no, he, he definitely looks like that. And and um and beyond that, with the two tight ends on both sides, we can end on this: uh, Waller and Henry. I mean, they're they're both among the top tight ends starting wise in fantasy. I just couldn't believe Jamie that at the end of that game. And, and, you know, watching back and now I saw some of the film this morning that Henry was open like a bunch of times over the field. And did they forget about timeouts or something there? I, I just I, I couldn't quite understand what was going on at the end of that game. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, if if Rivers, OK, you want to take a couple shots. You know, he missed the one, I think, to Davis on, on the left side. I think it was Davis um, where he overthrew him. And, you know, OK, that 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 should have been OK. We, we took our, you know, swing at the fence and now it's just get some chunk yard, chunk yards because you just need a field goal, you know, and, and if your kicker is going to call himself the money badger, he better deliver. So, <laughs> you know, if, if, if that's the case, you know, get him in field goal range, kick your field goal, you win the game and that's all you needed to do. And so it seemed as if rivers was operating as if they were down four, as opposed to down two. And so it just, it didn't make any sense in, in not involving Hunter Henry more. But uh, I, I think the, the bigger thing is, um, is more Waller, I think than at this point than Henry, because at least you know what you're getting with Henry for the most part. Waller has fallen off a little bit as you've seen Hunter Renfro come on. You know, he didn't have a great game last night, but Renfro the last two games more involved. So the middle of the field, which is typically where Derek Carr is going to operate, is getting now shared. They're throwing to Jacobs more out of the backfield. They've used Dalen Richard a little bit more. So 
I'd be a little bit concerned about Waller, but not to the point where I'm benching him in any stretch soon, especially yeah. they get the Bengals next week. Yeah, really good back-to-back matchups coming up for the Raiders. They had that long stretch on the road and in London, and now they're at home. It could be time to fire up a lot of these guys. All right, who else will we fire up this weekend in fantasy football? Here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick time out here on the show, and when we come back, we'll continue to be joined by Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports, cbsports.com. We're going to dive into the weekend matchups here, and we'll go into it all. Also, just as a reminder, for those of you who are listening to the show live on the FNTSY app or also on uh, iTunes or also on TuneIn Radio. You can also listen to the show on demand just by subscribing to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, anywhere where podcasts are heard. All right, a quick timeout. We come back next. Jamie Eisenberg gives us a couple of his picks to click this weekend in fantasy for those of you who are playing in season long and DFS. Craig Mish here with you as well, and we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Jamie Eisenberg here on the show. Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports, cbsports.com. And we get into an interesting weekend of fantasy, Jamie, because not only do we have a lot of the bye weeks, but we also have a number of injuries going into the fantasy week. Uh, from your perspective, do you think the way that I kind of view it this week is that, yes, there are, are still a number of totals in the NFL that are on the higher side, like 58 and 50 and 51. But for the most part, this could end up being a very close fantasy week for a lot of owners because of the amount of players that are off and because of the injuries that there are in the NFL. Oh, for sure. You know, and I think it really goes down to the quarterbacks that you may be using. Now, thankfully, it appears as if Mahomes is going to be back. So that takes, you know, the one scenario of people having to rely on Matt Moore, um, even though he's played well. You know, we'll find out for sure what Jacoby Brissett's status is. Um, so that would be nice. But, you know, you're still looking at probably somebody starting Ryan Tannehill. There may be somebody starting Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold. Uh, desperate situation. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, he was great last week, but it's a little different scenario going into Andy. So I think the quarterback play is going to sort of dictate a lot of these fantasy matchups. Then you have, you know, at least in one case, there's clearly going to be some guys that are bust. But in one case, you have, you know, people looking at Jared Goff, tough matchup in Pittsburgh. You know, so a guy that started for the most part across the board, and you fully trust him. So I think it comes down to the quarterback play for the most uh, situations because, you know, there's always going to be some running back that you, you know, you turn to that you should have some depth, some wide receivers, um, you know, that you'll be able to find. And there's some good ones that are, that are sleepers. It's actually a pretty good week for tight end. You know, when you talk about some of the streaming guys, from Mike Gusecki to I think both Colts tight ends are in play. You get Jared Cook back off of injury. Still have Johnny Smith. Um, you know, the, the, the top tier guys are what they are. But, you know, it, it's, it's really going to think that the quarterback play will sway some of how these matchups go. All right. So uh, let, let's speak about one quarterback. And in the offseason and when you guys do film study and you look at backup quarterbacks and, and collegiate quarterbacks, this is an interesting week for the Bengals, Jamie. And I know that A.J. Green is not going to play. But they are coming off a bye week, so they gave this kid Finley a couple of weeks 
to get ready for this game against Baltimore. Is there any indication whatsoever what he is, what he isn't? Because, you know, Brandon Allen came in last week, and I remember watching him at Arkansas, and he actually performed pretty well. I mean, he was, he was viable, and he's getting added in some leagues now, especially in these Superflex leagues. Uh, can, can you tell me a little bit or anything about Finley? I don't know a lot. You know, he looked good in the preseason. You know, um, I, I think they're high on him from the standpoint of they'll give him a shot to, to try and win it, you know, the job if, in fact, they don't draft a quarterback next year, which would probably be a mistake. But still, you know, someone that can, uh, you know, hopefully have, you know, you're looking at like a Gardner Minshew impact, like a Brandon Allen impact, like you said, you know, somebody that's kind of thrown in and has a chance to take advantage of a situation with some good weapons. You know, you without A.J. Green out there, you look at Tyler Boyd and, and Alex Erickson, how he's been performing. We spoke about him last week. Auden Tate, you know, he's had some good moments. Um, the thing that I think that is the, the drawback for this week alone is, is the matchup. You know, playing the Ravens is going to be so brutal. Um, their defense, you know, getting healthy, you know, especially now that Jimmy Smith is back on the secondary with the addition of Peters and Humphrey and how those guys have played. So I think you just look at it as, okay, maybe I'll, I'll pick him up to see what happens moving forward. But for this week, there's no chance I could trust him, even in a super flex league or, or, or two quarterback format. It's just, you got to be in a desperate situation. So it's going to be fun to see, you know, if he has, uh, again, that type of, you know, sort of surprise scenario. You know, you don't want to see him turn into Luke Falk or Trevor Simeon, you know, play like that. Um, but there, there's an opportunity here. And, you know, Zach Taylor, like you said, has given him, you know, basically two weeks to sort of learn the, learn the position, learn the offense, understand what, what he has to do. And it would have been nice to see him with A.J. Green, but I don't know if we're going to see A.J. Green at all in this uh, 2019 season. Yeah, I don't know why A.J. Green would play. It doesn't really uh, make any sense to me. All right, uh, so the, the highest totals uh, per Vegas on the board this week, Jamie, we've got a 51.5 with the Falcons and Saints. 52 and a half in the Cardinals and Buccaneers and man like I'll start with Cardinals and Bucks because I gotta tell you this looks exactly like the matchup that everybody wants but you just don't know with Jameis Winston man like he has these games where the total seems high and it seems like a great game for him and and then he lays a dud and then last week of course people weren't sure well and then all of a sudden Seattle's defense last two weeks is completely falling apart it's like maybe time to start fading Seattle's defense is it that simple with Tampa Bay, Arizona? Because I know that this is going to be such a juicy matchup for Evans and Godwin. It appears that way on paper, but it doesn't always go that way with Tampa Bay. You're right. Uh, you know, but I think you just have to buy into what you've seen from this, you know, really both defenses. You know, they're just so bad, especially in defending the pass, defending quarterbacks. And so for Jameis, um, you know, really aside from the meltdown in London, and if you just look at it fantasy-wise, he was driving to get a score – in the fourth quarter, I think it was his fourth interception. The fifth one, I think, was just kind of, you know, they're, they're just throwing it around at the end. But the fourth interception, had he gotten a touchdown there, and I think the interception was in the end zone, if I'm not mistaken, he would have had over 20 fantasy points, which would have put him over 20 fantasy points now, I think, for seven straight games. Hmm. So his fantasy production, despite the turnovers, and you go back two weeks ago when he had the two picks and the two fumbles, he still was over 20 fantasy points again. He just is that type of quarterback. You know, it's just, you have to understand what you're getting with him. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be... Uh, a, a beautiful artwork of a, of a quarterback show, but the fantasy points is what you're you're paying for here. And so I think if you're just looking at it from the Cardinals, just gave up 36 fantasy points to Jimmy Garoppolo, who had come into that game with one game over 20 points. It's just a, a good setup to buy into. Now probably one of the receivers will let you down uh, to the extent of where the heights are, because Chris Godwin's been awesome for the majority of the season. Mike Evans of late has been fantastic. One of them will probably be a disappointment, but you still have to start both. And then I think the real interesting thing is which of the tight ends will show up if they do, because the Cardinals are so bad at stopping tight ends. So can this be a game where O.J. Howard actually delivers? Will it be Cameron Brait? You know, it's just such a wild card. You know, you can't trust it, but it's still there's, there's an opportunity there. So I'll buy into Jameis, and I'll certainly buy into Kyler Murray, but he's the same type of quarterback fantasy-wise. When he had the good setup against the Giants three weeks ago, 
it was the Chase Edmonds show. You know, Cliff Kingsbury's adapting on the fly, I think, to be an NFL coach, and he's sort of looking at mismatches and situations and, and trying to just get wins. And so will they try and run on the Bucks? Nobody's really been able to do that. So I think this is going to be a game where Kyler Murray, famous Winston, they go head-to-head, put up a lot of points, and I think it's worth buying into. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it, it plays out that way. But with Tampa, I just do not trust anything that I ever see with them. Uh, Jamie Eisenberg is with us from CBS Sports, CBSSports.com. If you're playing in a fantasy league this week, you probably either offer a trade or were offer a trade for a running back. My gosh, with all the guys that are off this week, the options are so thin. And these three particular situations, Jamie, I would love for you to touch on. The situation in Detroit, where it seems like nobody has a clue as to what will be. Uh, the Jets situation, if Le'Veon Bell doesn't play, I think that's another crucial one going into the week. And then what in the world with the Steelers having Snell? And it looks like even the kid Edmonds, who looked good last week, could end up sitting out. So if you wouldn't mind touching on those situations uh, in Detroit and uh, the Steelers. And then obviously, if Bell doesn't play with the Jets, unless you have a feeling on that one way or the other. Yeah, I think with Detroit, it's kind of hands-off in non-PPR unless you're stuck. And if you had to bank on one, certainly in PPR, it'd be McKissick. You know, just because his role in the passing game, they feel comfortable with him, I think, in that spot. You know, Daryl Bevel knows him from their time in Seattle together. And so I think you saw it the last couple of weeks. He's got six catches over that span, seven targets. They really haven't thrown to their backs a ton, but he did score against Oakland. So if you're just going to hang your hat on something, I think it's, Okay, McKissick, at least you know he's going to be sort of a Tariq Cohen, a Chris Thompson, Duke Johnson. You know, there's not going to be a huge volume of touches, but the touches may be valuable enough, especially in the catches for PPR, that you can look at him as at least a flex. So he'd be my favorite one, but in non-PPR, I think it's just, you know, trying to find something else. For uh, for the Steelers, I think you're just talking about Jalen Samuels at this point because James Conner essentially has been ruled out. You know, it's just reports. They haven't come out and said anything, but it seems that that's where they're headed. And so with Edmonds banged up, like you said, Snell's not going to play. It's going to be probably all the touches that Jalen Samuels can handle. And so you saw last week that the, the catches were up. It was, you know, what you could dream of for a PPR running back. But it was Edmonds leading the team in carry. So I think in a game where they're going to have a hard time necessarily running, you know, up the gut against a good Rams defense, they're probably going to have to throw and be creative out of the backfield. So I, I like Samuels better in PPR than non-PPR. But just based on total volume, you'll start him across the board. And then for the Jets, I, I think, you know, it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. But if it's not him, I'd lean toward Bilal Powell at this point. You know, he's been the guy in the second role the last two weeks. Ty Montgomery seems to have been phased out a little bit. There also may be a scenario where he's banged up. I don't think we'll see Josh Adams, who they just elevated off the practice squad, getting a huge volume of work. But you never know with Adam Gase. So if Le'Veon Bell doesn't play, I don't think it's going to be all of a sudden Powell steps into the 20 touches that Bell is essentially averaging 15 carries and five catches per game. So it's probably going to be still a flex option, but it's such a good matchup against the Giants that if you see Blau Powell on waivers, just pick him up just in case we get to Sunday and you find out Le'Veon Bell's rolled inactive. You can use him as at least a flex in that matchup against New York. Yeah, that's exactly what I did as a uh, as a Bell owner. Let me ask you about another player. I don't know if I mentioned to him uh, to you last week, but I want to do it again uh, for this week. Maybe this is my aroma should do of this year. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> but 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 this kid on Atlanta, Brian Hill. The backup to Freeman. I, no one's talking about this situation at all. Jamie, I think that if I'm reading this right, especially with the way that Freeman fumbled the last game near the goal line, I mean, I think his time in Atlanta is coming to an end. Edo Smith is out, and this kid's got some speed. I mean, I, I've seen him catch the ball out of the backfield. I haven't heard a thing about him. I'm grabbing him in some of these deeper leagues just to see what happens. Is there any thought that maybe in the last five games of the year Atlanta just kind of goes rogue here and says let's prepare for the future and use some of our young kids because I, I mean I don't think Freeman has any future in Atlanta beyond this year do you I, I think he does just from the standpoint of you know if the reports are accurate that the Lions 
inquired about Freeman and the Falcons said no. You know, so they could have probably got a draft pick for him. Yeah, it's true. And then yeah. and then turned to see if Edo Smith or Brian Hill, you know, Smith when he's healthy or, or Hill now could be the you know, I don't think either one profiles as a lead rusher, but you know, a, a second guy and they have to draft somebody or bring somebody in via free agency. So it's worth picking up for sure, uh, just to see, especially while Edo Smith is out because they have used two guys for the most part when everyone's been healthy. And so if they do sort of go into a discovery mode about what their future is, maybe it's not necessarily that Freeman's getting replaced next year, but who's going to be the second guy? Because Edo Smith hasn't taken over for Tevin Coleman, essentially, after he moved on last or prior to this year. So uh, I think it's not a bad idea. And, and look, Freeman so far has been healthy, but the last two years he hasn't been able to stay on the field. But if he goes down, do they turn to Brian Hill or do they turn to Edo Smith? And again, Smith right now battling, I think it's a neck injury after dealing with a concussion prior to the bye week. So there's a lot of play here. Um, so it's not you know something I think you have to run out and pick up Brian Hill, but it's not a bad stash candidate if you have the roster spot just to see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta for the last five years has always used two running backs. And so if that doesn't change, at least for the rest of this year, uh, still eight games left in the year. So I'm, I, I, I took a stab at there. Okay, uh, before we go here, anyone in particular that we've missed that you want to touch on that has a good matchup this week where people can throw them in a DFS lineup or play uh, in season long, or maybe even just someone on your team that you would have some big expectations for? Yeah, two guys, you know, I think that are, you know, if you are desperate with bye weeks and looking at flex player or, you know, number three receiver and three receiver leagues, but definitely for DFS, uh, Darius Slayton and Ted Ginn. Uh, Slayton, you know, two games ago against the Lions, scored twice. Now you have no Sterling Shepard, no Evan Ingram. The Jets secondary is bad. Their defense is bad as a whole. And so I think this is going to be an interesting game to see if the two quarterbacks step up, Daniel Jones and Sam Donald in the battle for New York. But I think Jones will, you know, hold his own enough that Slayton's worth a flyer. And then for Ted Ginn, I always like to play him in DFS whenever they're playing a home game against a bad defense. So with Breeze now back, home against the Saints, home against the Falcons coming off a of bye, he's actually scored each of his last two games against Atlanta uh, last year. And so I think there's a good setup for Ginn to hit one of those long shots down the field. It could be Traquan Smith. You know, he's been banged up. Uh, he's coming back this week as well. But, you know, I think that connection of Breeze to Ginn when they're home, it usually plays well. And that's something I'd buy into too. All right, we'll go with it, Jamie. Good luck this week for sure. Uh, by the way, any uh, prediction on Alabama LSU? I know that that's a CBS game, so I figure you guys are promoting that somewhat. Three uh, thirty uh, Eastern time. A little yeah. bit, a little yeah. bit. Um, I, I think Alabama pulls it out, you know, just based on the, the history of what they do in their building. But um, look, LSU has been awesome. I, I hope Joe Burrow has a good game because I think he actually is the best quarterback right now, coming out for twenty twenty. But he's going to have to show it in this matchup because he's got to be better than Joe. Yep, no doubt. This is uh, probably going to determine the Heisman this week for sure. Thanks again, uh, Jamie, for coming on the show. We'll catch up again next week. Have a great weekend. You got it, man. You too. Take care. All right, there he is, Jamie Eisenberg, CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Catch him every day at noon over on Fantasy Football Today and all of his work on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. We'll take a short time out here on Fantasy Sports Today. When we come back, it's time to end the show with a two-minute drill. I'm Craig Mish. You're listening to FST on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish.
Welcome back. It's time to end the show. We got two minutes to go until we turn it over to our friend, Dr. Roto at Full-Time Fantasy. I'm Craig Mish, and this is the two-minute drill. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? And we end the show today with the epic matchup that is almost 26 hours away between LSU and Alabama. And I got to tell you, the reason why I'm most excited for this game, not just from a game perspective, not just from a betting perspective, but because the history of this series tells you it's a low scoring punch you in the face type game. And whoever you play against the following week ends up having a good shot to beat you because these teams play so hard against each other. And I think they'll play hard tomorrow, no doubt. And I think it'll be a competitive game. But what I'm most excited to see is two quarterbacks that could be the top quarterbacks, young guys that are taken in the NFL draft and maybe for the next decade. You just don't get that at all unless you're talking about the national championship game. And usually we have to wait another three months for that to that to happen in mid-January. But we're getting it tomorrow. I can't wait for the game. And I'm looking forward to see who wins it. And I will tell you right now, the winner of this game, whether it's Tua or Joe Burrow, with this total being 65, probably ends up winning the Heisman Trophy when they decide that in December. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Jamie Eisenberg for coming on the show today. For my producer, Sean Guastamaki. Also, thank you to Chris Pavona. I am Craig Mish. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the programming at the FanDuel Sportsbook over on Zumo TV this weekend. I will talk to you again on Monday at noon as we recap the NFL in fantasy and everything going on in the world of fantasy sports. Hope you guys have a great one. Dr. Roto is next with full-time fantasy. I'm Craig Mish. Talk to you Monday at noon. See ya.